0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. We're checking out another passage from the Old Testament book of Exodus today, but before we do, we have a special segment by Mr. Eric Ferris. Eric?
1: Yes, so it is time for time ambiguous banter about big social events that supposedly happened yesterday, but haven't actually happened yet because we record these podcasts at least a week in advance. So, Nikki, did you see the big game
0: yesterday? I did. Did you see that one guy that scored that one touchdown?
1: That that was amazing. I couldn't believe
2: it. He, Clayton? he definitely lugged the old pigskin around the gridiron. <laughs> lugged though,
1: <whole>, <laughs> I think that's what they do. Who who was in the big game, Nikki?
0: Tom Brady?
1: Yes, Tom Brady was in the big game. Uh, Clayton, who else was in the big game? Uh, Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay. <laughs> Sports players. Sports. <laughs> what, what did you have to eat while you watched the big game? Doritos. Chips and salsa, yeah. Mm, this has been time-ambiguous banter about social events that supposedly happened Did you see that Dorito but, commercial? No, there were no Doritos commercials. Oh. 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 No, it. there were a lot of companies that did not provide commercials for our entertainment this year because they decided to not spend the millions of dollars on advertising and they gave them money to various charities to help people through the pandemic.
0: That's fantastic. That good, is fantastic. It's a beautiful them. thing. And yet,
1: not one penny directed towards purchasing sound effects for this podcast. Still no sponsors. No. Hey, by the <laughs> way, Clayton's dad. Let's just let's just spend let's just spend a minute together. Me and me and Clayton's dad. Uh, we're not really asking for money on the podcast. It's just a joke. <laughs> we're okay. We have I have my little sound effects app right here. So, <clears throat> Clayton's dad, you can rest assured that we are not looking for more money. However, I will say this: after saying that, Clayton's dad, if you have money that you currently <laughs> do not know what to do with, I have four children. That eventually need to, some of them need, you know, some clothes and, you know, few of them have college aspirations. So feel free. <laughs> don't fight the feeling, Clayton's dad, if you do want to give some money. Right, Nikki, back well, to you. Well, that
0: ends our special segment with Mr. Eric Ferris. And now we're going to hand it over to Clayton. And Clayton, what are we reading today?
2: All right. Sorry about that, Dad. Um, today we are reading from the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus ah! <laughs> chapter 28. Exodus 28, uh, we are in the middle of a long section in the book of Exodus that is giving a lot of instructions about how to prepare the tabernacle and to get ready the people who will work in the tabernacle. Now, if, in case uh, you, you're not familiar with that idea of the tabernacle, it's basically uh, a tent that God established to say, this is where I'm going to meet with my people. When you come and offer your sacrifices, when you come to pray, uh, this is where my presence is going to show up. And so this was really, really critical. And Moses is giving the instructions on uh, how to prepare that. And so we are going to be in a section that's actually about the priests. Now, before we read this, um, with these sort of instructional sections, a couple of things to keep in mind that are helpful. First of all, there's a lot of detail. Uh, If you were... Uh, if this was written in the 21st century, these would definitely be like instructional YouTube videos. They would not be all of the kind of you know, words on a page. So it feels very detailed, but it's a how-to kind of thing. Um, but what helps us understand it, first of all, the headings are really, really helpful. Because sometimes you get bogged in the details, the heading will sum it up. Uh, second, pay attention to the places where in the midst of the you know, descriptions, they give a little bit of sense of like the meaning, like this is why, Th- those phrases come up every so often. And then, if you're really confused, um, look up the word on the internet. Look up, look up that word and see if you can find a picture of what they're describing. So, uh, we'll read this and, and, and try to unpack it for you. Go ahead, Eric.
1: Exodus 28, we're doing 30 verses, you said, Clayton? That's right. Okay. "'Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor.'" Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron, for his consecration, so he may serve me as priest. These are the garments they are to make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen." the ephod make the ephod of gold and of blue purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen the work of skilled hands it is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue purple and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on the one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in the gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold, like a rope, and attach the chains to the settings. The breastpiece. Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions. The work of skilled hands. Make it like the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen. It is to be square, a span long and span wide, and folded double. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. The first four shall be carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. The second row shall be turquoise, lapis, lazuli, and emerald. The third row shall be is how you say that jacinth jacinth jacinth. That's hard to say. That's that's... what's the next? Is that gate? Mm
2: -hmm. agate
1: agate agate? I don't know how to say that stone. (laughs) Amethyst. The fourth row shall be topaz, onyx, and jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. For the breastpiece, make braided chains of pure gold like a rope, make two gold rings for it and fasten them to the two corners of the breastpiece. Fasten the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breastpiece and the other ends of the chains to the two settings, attaching them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front. Make two gold rings and attach them to the other two corners of the breast piece on the inside edge next to the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces on the front of the ephod close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. The rings of the breast piece are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband so that the breast piece will not swing out from the ephod. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put Urim and Thummim in the breastpiece so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Wow, I just feel so edified and strengthened in my soul (laughs) after reading that
2: kind of Bible text. They're challenging. These ones are challenging. Let let me uh, help here a little bit. So this is essentially describing the way the priests are dressed as they go and kind of do their work. And it it sounds very detailed, like, man, do I really need to know all this? Um, But these are instructions that they're going to use. So they they do need to know this, the people of Israel. Uh, And a lot of it has a lot of symbolic meaning, a lot of things that are, are uh, significant and important. Um, if you kept reading, they would describe a few more uh, different pieces of clothing uh, that are used there. So in addition to the ephod that w- was described, which is essentially kind of a, a tunic, kind of a long uh, shirt that hangs down and a breast piece that's kind of a metal plate on their chest. They also talk about a kind of a robe that goes over that and then a, a turban and a, a kind of a, a headpiece that goes on top of that. So you can imagine this priest dressed completely from top to bottom in this beautiful clothing, going in to uh, have their, their ceremonies. So let's uh, just start with some observations. What are some things you noticed in this passage? That
1: Aaron was bedazzled. <laughs> there sure a, was. There's a lot of different color, lot of different color stones. Uh, you know what was interesting was the... I mean, I know it's detailed because God's being very specific about how things should be and why they should be that way. Uh, one of the things that kept repeating was the color of the yarn. Yeah, uh, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, like it just keeps, it's like making sure that those instructions are being followed. And do you know why that would be significant, the colors?
2: To us, they don't uh, strike us very uh, significant, because we just kind of, we've got lots of different colors in our closet. But if you were in the ancient world, making a dye that was blue, or purple, or red was, was really difficult. You'd have to have some pretty expensive ingredients to do that. In fact, uh, the reason purple's associated with royalty is they only had one way to make that dye, and you'd have to get uh, specific snails off yeah. of a specific coast and, and make it, so it was very expensive. So this is fancy stuff.
0: Yeah, my observation was that God loves beautiful works of art. Um, the garments he described, I was just kind of trying to like close my eyes and imagine them in my mind and. Uh, with the different color yarns and the various precious stones. And even thinking about, like, the filigree settings, like, if, I don't, if any of you don't know what filigree is, like, go and, like Clayton said, like, Google a picture of it, and you can see, like, why it would take the work of skilled hands to actually engrave these beautiful, ornate shapes into to gold and metal. And so, uh, very, very beautiful things.
1: I'm currently flipping uh, through the NIV study Bible because I was looking for pictures uh, and, you know, interestingly in the NIV study Bible, there's, there's a picture of the tabernacle. There's a picture of the tabernacle furnishings, which is a lot of what you're reading in Exodus as he's giving them examples. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not seeing a picture of, uh, the priestly garments. Um, but some study Bibles probably have that kind of picture in it. So, you know, just, just a reminder for all of you out there, that's why a good study Bible is helpful. It has sometimes pictures or maps. That help you see what you're reading, um, and then also like what what Clayton just described with the colors. Sometimes in the study notes, you're going to get those kinds of explanations. I the uh,
2: th- at the very beginning where it says, "Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom." Uh, that's that's really interesting. There are craftsmen here who have been given gifts by God to make beautiful things. Uh, there's a, other places that maybe you noticed in the book of Exodus. They they got a couple of guys that they name that they say God's spirit actually filled them in order to make uh, these these works of art. And so there's there's something really. Uh, exciting and encouraging. Uh, for those of you who are uh, creative types, who want to work with your hands to make something beautiful, who uh, enjoy that, that is, uh, that is not just kind of an incidental hobby type thing. That's something uh, that God gives those gifts to people, uh, the, the wisdom and the skill to create things that, that delight Him in their beauty.
1: The other thing that I saw is somehow in this breast piece, there is some kind of mechanism or tool for making decisions that the priest is responsible for.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's that Urim and Thummim. Any, any of you guys got some information about that? That's one of those ones where you're like, what is the Urim and Thummim? No explanation given, something about decisions, and that's where you look to your footnotes. Any of you guys got a study Bible note?
1: I'm looking right now. Yes, in the NIV Study Bible, chapter 28, verse 30, uh, it says, The Hebrew for this phrase probably means the curses, traditionally lights, and the, perf- the curses and perfections. The Hebrew word Urim begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. Aleph? How do you say that? I'm not not a Hebrew guy. I'm a Greek guy. Uh, And Thummim begins with the last letter, Ta. They were sacred lots and often used in times of crisis to determine the will of God. And then it says, go look at Numbers chapter 27, verse 21. Uh, It had been suggested that if the Urim curses dominated when the lots were cast, the answer was no. But if Thummim perfections dominated, it was a yes. Uh, In any event, their every decision was from the Lord, and it says, look at, at Proverbs. So it was a way of kind of like rolling the dice and saying, whatever the majority <laughs> of the dice say is which yeah. way we're gonna go.
2: It's, it's, it's one of those ones that you gotta always be careful about how you d- take it directly. It sort of feels like the magic eight ball from God, um, but, the, but the priest was in the presence of God. And so to say, God, we really want you to guide those decisions, you actually see that in other stories in the Bible where uh, priests and kings are asking for God's uh, will. Should we go to this battle or not? And that's usually the mechanism they're using.
0: Another thing that I noticed was that we, we see a couple of mentions of the uh, the 12 tribes, yeah. just the importance of remembering them and keeping them before the Lord and keeping them before God's people. It's just this reminder of where they came from and, and, uh, and such.
1: Clayton, you can throw something at me if this takes us totally off course because you're, <laughs> you're, you're a comma guy for this episode. But sometimes when I'm reading my Bible... And I, ha- and I have a question and I start exploring it, you can't quite get to the answer immediately. Yeah. And we've said, I think we've said multiple times on this podcast, just because the Bible describes something doesn't mean it endorses something, okay? Yeah. But as I read Exodus 28, God is very specifically telling them how to put together these priestly garments and includes this whole roll the dice to discern my will yeah. mechanism in the garments. So, to what extent is God endorsing what would seem to us to be in in the category of um, almost witchcraft or
2: yeah it's it's the, this divination sort of thing yeah. it's like uh you know uh, in the in the category of horoscopes or things where you say well it's just it, it's sort of just by chance saying this you know it's it's interesting when there are uh things that are prescribed uh to the people of Israel um sometimes they're taking things that are culturally like this is the way people in that culture would have approached God. They would have expected um, their priests to be able to sort of interpret signs of some kind. They, you know, you, you look at some ancient things, and they've got all sorts of ways of, you know, you kill an animal, and you look at certain organs, and the lines on the organs, you know, it's like these sorts of things. So there's already an expectation. Like, if you go in the presence of God, you're allowed to ask a question and get some information about that. So in some ways, God's saying, let me, let me adapt that to you. I, don't, I can communicate all sorts of ways. Most of the time, He's communicating through a prophet who hears something very clearly, sees a vision, and is caught up into heaven. Um, but there is also this sort of thing. Um, when you look later in Scripture, there are, there are a, a couple of times where people say, can I just have a sign, yes or no, God? Uh, but it's pretty rare, and it's usually the sort of situation that someone's trying to get out of something <laughs> rather than find out what God really wants. It's usually trying to say, are you sure, God? Like, give me another sign. Give me another sign. So it's not, it's not usually a good character kind of thing to do that, um, but currently we don't have like a sanctioned, here's the way to cast lots for a decision. Um, And so that wouldn't be the kind of thing that we'd say, yeah, this is a good way to figure it out, especially because we've got scripture to reveal to us and we've got the spirit inside of us. Um, Those are the normal ways that God communicates with us. You got thoughts on that? No, (laughs) just questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me. Let's talk more about those names, the names of the people of Israel. I think this is a really key uh, detail here because I think it tells us what the the purpose of the priest is about. So you think about the priest, and they are kind of the go betweens between God and the people. And so they represent God to the people, say, hey, I'm coming with a message from God to you and and that, and then they're going from the people saying, God, I'm bringing sacrifices and worship in your presence. And so when they've got these names written on them, they're essentially saying, like, as I walk in, I am, this is who I represent. It's not just me by myself. I'm not just this one individual talking to God, kind of having my personal time. It's like, this is your people, God. I represent them before you. They have access to you. Uh, And so there's something really beautiful about saying our names are written on those stones, beautiful, and in the presence of God. Well, I think that's a good time to go to the next M in comma. Let's talk about the message. What message would you guys draw from this?
1: That's tough, man. When you're reading some of these texts in the Bible... These these are the these are the kinds of days in your Bible reading where if if you're tempted to just say, Well, I did my Bible for reading for the day, check the box and move on. I mean, honestly, let's be honest, these are the days where you, whether you're reading in genealogies or dimensions for the tabernacle or details of priestly garments, these are these are tough. So hey, listen, guys, we're we're sitting here in the podcast studio as three church staff members. And just a reminder, we don't do a ton of studying coming into these podcast episodes. Um, We try to do this as if this is our us just using the comma method and doing our daily Bible reading or what a small group might do when they get together using the Bible-savvy reading schedule. So um, that's my long-winded way of saying I'm not quick to get to a message on this. I'm not 100% sure yet.
0: Yeah, I don't have like a a very clear message like what I usually sometimes get, but what I'm seeing in, in the passage is that God values... We see, we see what God values in this passage so he, he values beauty and he values people like he, you know what I mean and he, he values giving clear direction to his people as to how they should do something and why they should do it and he's just very good about making sure he's just very kind of clear about what he values and so to me that's I don't know how you'd kind of form that in a message, but that's what I'm taking away from it.
2: Yeah, it is okay when you get to something challenging. To if you see something that you're like, well, I don't know if that, how how deep that is. I don't understand all of it, but I can grab onto one thing. Like God values beauty. Like it's mm-hmm. it's okay if you can't sort out all the details, or, or you say God's clear in His instructions. That's 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 really good, and it's okay because those things are still true and profound in there in Scripture. Let let me offer this. Um, even if you just take the fact that like we've got priests here, you say if we if human beings are gonna access God. We are gonna need a representative. And in this case, a well-dressed representative to go in the presence of God and, and, and to represent the people. You know, you, you see that, that with the, the names of the, the tribes on the priest, uh, that, that's God's people. We're gonna need a representative to, to, to speak to God on our behalf. And really that points forward. Like this is a principle that begins early on in scripture, but culminates ultimately in Jesus saying, if we're gonna go in the presence mm-hmm. of God, we need a priest. We need someone to represent us. We need Jesus. We can't just waltz in there on our own. Jesus has got to go in and say, "Their names are written on my chest," you know? Like they 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 they're, uh, I'm I'm on speaking on their behalf, you know? We're going to need that. So that's my message that I got.
1: Man, that's really good. Uh, I want to go back to what Nikki shared too, the the notion that God is speaking and communicating to his people in such detail. And if you, if you think about uh, the time period of this uh, and, and you think about how much idol worship was going on and people that had these household idols and they would offer things to the idols and ask questions of the idols, but because they weren't real gods, they could never speak back. That's the problem with an idol. It can't deliver anything because it's a nothing, right? And so you, you can imagine some people who are worshiping, worshiping certain gods talking to the Israelites and going, your, your God speaks to you? Mm. Your God actually tells you what he expects, what makes him happy and what doesn't? Can you imagine the randomness of like, your your crops, your harvest is doesn't come in and you're asking yourself, well, what did I do to make my God angry that I don't have a crop this year? And you're just always guessing what makes my God happy, what doesn't make my God happy. But here you have the Israelites whose God is constantly Communicating with them, yeah. that is that is an amazing reality. And then you you fast forward that to today where where someone might say to you, you know, I really felt like God told me to go talk to this person or to stop and help that person. And you go, Your God talks to you? Like yeah. what kind, of, you know, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, here let's go to the next M and comma. Let's talk about meditation. And this one I want you to Kind of do a little imagining, okay? So kind of visualize a little bit here. Um, I want you to imagine this priest, okay? So picture, uh, you know, dressed in the kind of robe of, of blue and it's got this, you know, all these uh, jewels on the breastplate that, that's on their chest and then the names of the people. But I want you to imagine that this is Jesus and he's decked out, ready to go into the presence of God. And when you look at the jewels on his chest, You read your name. I want you to imagine that and think about how that makes you respond. All right, the next step in the comma method is A, for application, where we respond and say, what does this mean for us?
1: Man, I feel like I need more than 45 seconds to th- really think about my name being written on that breastplate and Jesus walking into the presence of God, because my, my brain immediately went to uh, the end of the Bible, where it talks about our names being written in the book of life. And you, you just start Man, it just—I just start welling up with emotion. Like, what did I do to deserve that? Nothing. I—I mm. I deserve the opposite of that. And so, you know, wh- what that does for me in terms of application is immediately takes me towards praise and thanksgiving and gratitude for everything that Jesus has accomplished for me.
0: Yeah, exactly the same thing. You just realize, uh, it just brings this this realization of how gracious God has been uh to us to me if i if i envision my name on that breastplate and all you can do in that moment is just just worship and just be thankful uh of his grace and his mercy shown to me
2: yeah absolutely there there's 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 a lot of like humbling joy yeah. <laughs> in that thought i also think it makes me feel uh like when i let it sink in like bolder to say all right. If Jesus is walking in there with my name on his chest, if he's representing me, then I I feel okay saying, God, I want to tell you what I need. I you know I want to ask you a question. I want to uh, I want to hear from you. Um, I want to I want to be in your presence because I know the one representing me uh, loves me, and it's Jesus. And so I, I like there, there's a boldness to knowing that he's the one uh, leading us into to God's presence.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Exodus 28, bringing it from Exodus who does 28. That?
0: Friends, thanks for joining us today. That's all that we have for you. We hope that you're gonna join us next Monday. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, check out biblesavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com if you have uh, suggestions, ideas that you want to share for the podcast, if you wanna share with us what you're learning in your own Bible reading. Uh, and Also, if you have questions, Email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com. Other than that, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.